everyone, and welcome to Mayor Chat. <laughs> Certainly not just a carryover of our previous five minutes of dialogue because we had to do something because I had a structural failure of my internet as we recorded no more than like 20 minutes ago too. So again, anyway. this is, this is Joe Brandon's America. Mm-hmm. This is Joe Brandon's America. It, it's me and Mike Lee being canceled online, and it's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Lee found out your IP address and sent out a hit. <laughs> That's the most <sighs> base thing he could possibly do. <laughs> you know, I, I just love the fact that we have a senator, like a member of the most prestigious body, legislative body in the world, like one mm. of the most powerful people on the planet, who just wants to be a poster. Honestly, I kind of respect it. I, yeah. I do. I mean, he who hasn't gotten suspended from Twitter for casting like thinly veiled threats to a foreign leader, cast the first stone. Because, you know, I, I can't say anything to that. It's Again. funny, though, because like all of these senators, like they're their staff, they're like their youth. Those are all gropers because those are the only young people who are Republicans now. Um, right. And so they're surrounded by sort of like guys in their twenties who are posting sort of like epic race war memes or whatever, and they're like, "This is so cool! Why didn't I do that? I'm wasting my life being in the Senate when I could be doing this." They're like so jealous of them, and to me, that's hysterical. Yeah, it's there's there's a really funny uh, career arc when it comes to people like Mike Lee and like older conservatives who are trying to be online. And it's like, instead of having the the typical American uh, midlife crisis of like, I don't know, buying a convertible, they start the, you know, they, they post a, a profile picture of them with like the based sunglasses. And oh, start, the laser like, eyes. Yeah. Dan Crenshaw fucking doing the same thing. Like yeah, parachuting exactly. out of planes and shit. And it's just like, like, do a cocaine and get caught with hookers like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> the the only way, like, there's a way to sort of achieve Buddha nature about this, right? The only way to become a true poster in the Senate or in Congress in general is to, like, just do it and not think about it. Don't think of yourself as based. Don't think of yourself as cringe. Achieve sort of, like, liberation from these ideas and post like Chuck Grassley. Yes. <laughs> a man like Chuck Doing Grassley. you who, know what. <laughs> who has done, I don't know how many hit and runs, but he's hit a lot of quote-unquote deer. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's car pranks. <laughs> just a 95-year-old man doing car pranks. He's just going to Dairy Queen and hitting God knows what with his car. <laughs> I just imagine him having like a grave digger like monster truck that he only drives when the sun is down. <laughs> And like he, he like sort of pulls across eight lanes of traffic, hits four deer on the way. <laughs> While he's still driving, pulls up his phone, which is set to the largest text you can possibly imagine, and bangs out an all-time tweet just off the dome, no preparation, no like staffers needed to like tell him about his power level or whatever. And it's great, you know. This is why all Congress people should be in their eighties and nineties forever. <laughs> Absolutely. We we need I wish Strom Thurmond had Twitter when he was a hundred years oh old and still in the Senate. <laughs> now that would have been a real poster. He would have definitely gotten suspended, but if, if, if you had tried to explain to Strom Thurmond what a groiper was, he would have died of a heart attack. That sentence. The the problem with Strom Thurmond though is that if he tried to use so, like the phrase bussin' for real, it would take like an entirely <laughs> no, different. Can you explain this meaning? phrase bussin' for real to <laughs> 
My so uh, my sort of like southern uh, southern lawyer is not good, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I do declare. <laughs> yeah, asking some legislative intern from Ole Miss to explain what bussin is, and they're just like <laughs> clutching their books a little closer to us. Like I, I don't know. You picked me to work in this office because I was the nerdiest white guy you could find. <laughs> Well, with that said, we should probably do the intro. <laughs> oh, yeah. We started Hi, an episode. Uh, Hi, folks. It's your neighborhood-friendly Brigham Young Money. We're back with another episode. Uh, it's Greg. It's Jordan. Kyle's got the week off. Um, our love go out goes out to him. But as, as you've already heard, we have an incredibly special guest, one of the premier podcasters and posters in the game from Trash Future, Well, There's Your Problem, and the fantastic Kill James Bond, Alice Caldwell-Kelly. Hello and welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm not sure yeah. if I can live up to that sort of hype, but I'll do my best. Um, I mean, we follow you both for a reason, and... You know, it's I it's think because that, of the mind that produces the idea of Strom Thurmond saying that shit is bussin, no cap. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the like millennial haircut right. also. I'm going to go oh, into Photoshop, I'm going to do that as soon as we're done with this recording. <laughs> if you said bussin for real to Strom Thurmond, his entire body would just revolt against itself and he would just collapse into a pile of dust like his the end of <laughs> The Last Crusade. His head would explode like it was the scene in Scanners. This is this is what you have to do with like if you have access to a time machine. If you go back to when Strom Thurmond is filibustering the Civil Rights Act, you get him in like hour three when he's just starting to hit his stride, and then you go up to him and you you say shit is bus and no cap and just like watch him keel over like an old sort of like sequoia. He yeah, he just wouldn't be able to sustain any sort of energy trying to come up with the biggest racial slur he could ever admit. <laughs> <laughs> His brain would short circuit. You remember that movie uh, Limitless where it was like, we only use uh, like 10% of our brain. Yes. What would happen yes, if we yes. used 100% of our brain? Strom Thurmond only ever used like 10% of his brain trying to come up with racial slurs. If he used 100% of his brain trying to invent a racial slur, which is what this would have done to him. Um, I mean, it could go either way, right? Either he just dies instantly, or he becomes sort of like more powerful than we can possibly imagine. Um, he's like he's like Voltron of slurs. <laughs> just like eyes turn completely black on the yes, set. <laughs> the loudest slur it's heard in like Delaware. That it's it's too powerful. It's like the Ark of the Covenant. Like, yeah, it's powerful, but if you ever touch it with straight on human hands, you will die. It's deploying so deploying a slur so intense it like blows the dome off the Capitol from the inside. <laughs> it's like that. What was it? Uh, the Miles Leonard, the basketball player, saying the K word while like playing Call of Duty. Like, you really had to go through like the mental rolodex of slurs. To come up with that specific one, but you amplify that to like the nth degree with Strom Thurmond. Oh yeah, <laughs> like at this point, like if once once he gets the Ark of the Covenant, he puts on the magic gloves or whatever. I don't know how that goes, but uh, <laughs> like he just eventually becomes so powerful, he invents his own slurs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love it. This is great. Whoa. <laughs> well, anyway, so a great start. <laughs> <I should> <laughs> I should preface all of this with uh, the reason we have Alice on is if you have uh, 
checked out the posts and honestly we I, I'll, a little a little peek behind the curtain of how the sausage is made we have a uh, a group dm with uh, a bunch of fine folks mm-hmm. scouring the internet who when we love to talk about the weird shit including mormonism and we know that alice is a big fan uh and, and quite fascinated with the religion oh, yeah. is that a, is that a, 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 a fair assumption how how could i not be fascinated i mean it's got it all it's got metal plates uh <laughs> freemasonic rituals it's gotten uh sensi milfs you know you name it <laughs> Yeah, Alice, we I gotta mean, get, you want you want we gotta get you out to Utah. <laughs> I'm saying you, this like I, it I is got the land sort of, of like, milk and honey. You want milfs? Come hang out. I, I mean, got I got sort of heavily invested when there was the sort of like Mormon housewife milf TikTok drama, oh, yeah, which absolutely. is another se- another sequence of words that would have killed Strom Thurmond. <laughs> <laughs> We, we do have to get you out here because much like Strom Thurmond uttering the strongest racial slur ever in the history of mankind, it'll either make you all powerful or kill you. I can't. Yeah, one of the two. It's I can't fine. wait, to, like I can't wait to show monster, Alice you know? our co- our our because we don't have coffee shops, but we have soda and cookie shops. <laughs> you can start your day with 2,500 calories of pure sugar. Pure, again, this is perfect for me. This is just what I do anyway. Like Treats and MILFs. Yeah, exactly. I, I I need to I need to come to you, so we need to do it. That's uh, my new brick and mortar store. Yeah. <laughs> well, good luck getting a permit and anywhere outside of like maybe Salt Lake, but yeah. gonna, as if I go anywhere south of Thirty Third. <laughs> Ouch, sir! I live south of Thirty Third. I never go to your house. Let's be honest. Yeah, uh, fair. All right. Yeah, but I mean. Once again, the reason we have Alice on is to talk about Mormonism. Cat's out of the bag, spoiler alert. This is a very heavy Mormon episode, and we are talking about all of the breaking news that have happened over the past uh, few weeks with our Mm -hmm. beloved church that we love so, so much. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like like it's a slight note of ambivalence there. (laughs) Listen, I think it's kind of false advertising that we're doing this much Mormon stuff on a podcast called Brigham Young Money. I don't, I don't. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it seems weird. (laughs) We're not going to get a whole lot of people with this one, I don't think. It's very niche. It's very niche. I do really want to talk about, because it's in the notes when I was writing the outline, uh, if we're talking about, you know, based posters. We do kind of have to send one out, uh, a big RIP you know, we'll play the Charlie Puth and Wiz Khalifa song at the end. <laughs> R.I.P. to Scott Adams. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, Dilbert one of the was... weirdest to ever do it. <laughs> An all time weird. I can't I can't really discern what's weirder, like him talking about like getting robbed and basically causing his stepson to die or him just straight up saying like white people shouldn't talk to black people. oh god that was him yeah that was him scott adams that there's so much weirdness there that like you're only scratching the surface if you if you grew up being the kind of nerd whose dad worked at the business factory and who kind of was like, oh, that's yeah. that's cool. That's where they store all of the work. I want to do that when I'm older. <laughs> and you read his like 
his Dilbert books as a child, which I think now might be like retroactively considered a form of abuse, right? But I did. Yeah. <laughs> he he got into some weird shit, and I remember reading one of these Dilbert books, which are meant to be like like sort of like pithy comedic observations about management and office culture. And at the end of it, he's like. Oh yeah, if you want stuff to happen, what you gotta do is you gotta do this thing called affirmations, where you like write it down a bunch of times to yourself and then like He's a the big fan of the secret. Well, this was before the secret. That's the fucked thing. I, I he was ahead of the curve think, on manifestation. Yes. Yeah, I think Scott <laughs> Adams was manifesting shit when the only people doing that were like Marianne Williamson. Uh, like <laughs> He's the original Orb Gang member. Yes, and he doesn't get enough credit for that kind of weirdness. You know, it's just it's just the sort of like relentless racism. Yeah, and and let's not forget the sexual hypnosis, which is another thing that he like posted about on his blog. Wait, um, is he like like a sting tantric guy? He is so much of a like sex hypnosis guy. He had a blog post. We, really? we read it. Yeah, we read this blog post on Trash Future one time where he like sort of is gonna he promises to hypnotize you, the reader, into having the most erotic Thanksgiving it's possible to have. I can't <laughs> think of a more repulsive man to fuck than Scott Adams. Hold on, let's go back to the phrase erotic Thanksgiving. The oh, yeah. sexy of holidays where you're just bloated playing, and playing just... at the warp tour, guys. <laughs> That's no, a great Erotic who, Thanksgiving is a great band name. Who, who the fuck is having like 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 that much debauchery at Thanksgiving besides just gluttony? I mean, like if you're like going to Thanksgiving, like, oh man, gonna gonna get some tonight, like what are you doing? Not yeah, you're only like that, but like how my question when it comes to Thanksgiving eroticism is is when? Because it's got to be before the meal, the right? Morning, like you're not surely. about you're not you're not about to smash sixty five hundred calories and then try to get it in, <laughs> right? Like no, no, you're you're not eating like half of a turkey or whatever, no. and then being like, okay, it is now time to fuck, right? Yeah, like more. It, it reminds me of like the the come town bit when when Stavros was talking about. Uh, thanksgiving day and he's like you know as a fat man whose dick doesn't work all that well you know you have to fuck before the meal yeah you have to fuck tactically you know you have to think about this ahead of time yeah i just i can't think of a not like is there a less erotic holiday than thanksgiving no uh president's day does that count are we counting the sort of like federal holidays that that depends on the president because there's some. Uh, <laughs> <we> talk- <laughs> think about Listen, uh, think about William Howard Taft. Mustache rides. <laughs> that reminds me of one of our favorite bits, and that was uh, one of was our. It? <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> we did an AMA, and one of our one of our fine listeners asked us who the uh, the president most likely to be into pegging was, and we talked. We said it was William Howard Taft. Yeah, we, we came up with the mm-hmm. yeah. step sister step brother scenario with William Howard Taft getting stuck in the tub <laughs> stuck a president step president stuck in tub step vice president help me new porn hub, <laughs> hub category just dropped oh man this is taking a remarkably weird turn I, I know mm. we had I, such that's, an that's interesting... what you risk when you get me on the show you know yeah, we were going to talk about financial crimes, and we decided to talk about 
way more interesting things than that. See, I, I do a podcast that is in part about financial crimes, but given the opportunity <laughs> to talk about pegging William ha Howard Taft, might be Henry Taft, don't remember, but like, given that opportunity, of course I'm going to take it. Uh, I mean, so, yeah, this thank is, you. Th Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> I this mean, is we vacation for me. I'm here to like ruin your podcast by like taking time off of mine, where I have to be sort of like slightly more serious about financial crimes. <laughs> well, in the in the good spirit of financial crimes, Jordan, do you want to do you want to hit the drop and we can get into it? We sure can. Yes, I'm sorry that I'm not Kyle, and my my uh, a little bit of my soul is gonna die. Um, it's it's totally fine. Alice respects a good soundboard, and I know this for a fact. Yes. Welcome to hell, It's so dumb. No, it's beautiful. We've been, it's we've been doing this, this is a work of art. <laughs> we've been doing this this drop now for over a year, and it still makes me laugh. I think I just keep adding stuff to it just yeah. to like irritate people at this point. Like there's no rhyme or reason for why I have like half the things on there except for just my own amusement. Hmm. I love it. <laughs> well, all right, let's get, let's get into it. It's time to get serious folks. So hell line number one, what article of faith is this? So this is from Ben Winslow, our award-winning, uh, reporter from Fox 13, the U.S. Security and Exchange Commission filed charges against the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and its equity firm, Enzyme Peak Advisors, over misstatements. Enzyme Peak will pay $4 million to settle it. The church will pay just $1 million. Uh, basically, the two long didn't read version of this is the church was just caught in a tax fraud scheme for setting up 13 shell companies to hide $32 billion from 1997 to 2018. And a billion P with a B? Oh, oh yeah. A B. Oh, yeah. A and they paid a million dollars. A million dollars. Yeah, the, the, America rocks. Yeah, the hedge fund <laughs> paid $4 million and the church paid $1 million. Like, I mean, that's just smart business, you know? This... Every time I just think about the Church of Latter-day Saints equity firm, I start getting like the, the like the bulging forehead vein from the principal, like the principal from Daria. <laughs> like I, mean, I just start like, losing my like there's so much cognitive dissonance between the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and its equity firm. It's like a sort of a Bush era sort of piece of liberalism, right? To be like right. Uh, it's it's a religious organization, but actually, it's really just out for the money. You know, it's mostly just an equity firm with like a a couple of like statues out front. That's the kind of thing yeah. you would have like rolled your eyes at in two thousand and eight as being sort of like cliche. And then they have to go and sort of like live up to it to the tune of a, a huge amount of money. I mean, that's like almost one F thirty five or something. Um, <laughs> Well, this is thirty-seven billion in addition to the one hundred billion they already claim. So they're up to one hundred and thirty-seven billion dollars worth of valuations for their entire organization. And yeah. they were just like, this money was just sort of like resting in their account to like accruing more money, right? Yeah. Like that's that's the thing. I saw a tweet about uh, about this, and it was like, it really kind of put things into perspective that this like 
this 32 billion or the five five million dollar cumulative fine that the church and his equity firm had to pay roughly is about uh one hour of accrued interest in one of these accounts jesus so (laughs) having having thus you know gone to the sec to be like okay i got like uh sort of some pocket change here i think this is like an old button you can have this too whatever um and and gotten away with it sort of like free and clear like they're not using this money for anything it's just to like invest in order to like make more money on itself they're not spending this on anything i mean the the church is the like i think it owns more land than any other organization in america correct me if i'm wrong jordan yeah it's like one of the first or second biggest like private land holders in the country yeah. and they i mean they own stock in everything like when the whole like meme stock thing was going out, uh was going down like it was found out that the church invested all sorts of money in meme stocks they you know they've invested incredible amounts of money in cryptocurrency like their money is everywhere and but but they don't this is the thing that bothers me they don't do anything that outlandish with it like give me a sort of like 500 foot tall solid gold statue of an angel you know give me that at least like it would be cool like the mormon church would be infinitely cooler if it had like righteous gemstones type characters yeah 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 exactly honestly yeah i mean but i think like the most like extravagant thing they usually they spent their money on was like two billion for like the city creek mall that's just yeah. right next to temple square <laughs> i mean that that's it so, so they like, spent their a, money a, to a, buy a salt huge, lake city yeah and like a huge discrepancy between the kind of global like financial systems you operate in and your own sort of personal expenditures and stuff. Because I've seen sort of like um, Mormon Mormon leaders, people of like sort of influence in the clergy, right? I do not think any single one of them has spent more than a hundred dollars on a suit in their life. Oh my and- god! Yeah. <laughs> so they like so there's a there's a there's a a suit maker. I don't know what you call it, a, a tailor, sure, uh, locally named Mister Mac that is famous for the uh, the missionary suit. And yeah, you can get a suit there for like two hundred bucks. <laughs> and, and that's I where all of them shop. That I think there's some sort of article of faith that uh, guarantees that. Yeah. Which is also located in City Creek Mall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little bit of like self-dealing in order to get like an outfit that looks like absolute shit. Like it looks yes. like it's made of asbestos. Yeah. Again, yeah, that's- I, I want more like mega pastor energy for the, the mm-hmm. Mormon church. Mm-hmm. That would make things give me, infinitely- give me the, like gold tie pin at least or something, you know, offset it a bit. Like show me a Rolex. Yeah, I want to yes. see actual gold plates. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want to see that more than just like building another church, which looks exactly the same as fifty thousand other churches you have. And when you give money to like the Salt Lake City Police Foundation to kind of have a little extra protection funding for Temple Square, like give me give Mormon me Vatican. More. Yes. <laughs> Just like close off three sides of it with like a colonnade full of like giant statues. I, yeah. I, I think that's that's one option. But I like your sort of like evangelical one better. I want to see, yes. uh, you know, I want to see the sort of like a parade, like a cavalcade of Rolls Royces with like sort of real gold gold plate spinner wheels pull up. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, I want a mixture of both. I really do. Mm-hmm. I want the mega church pastor who's running the Rolex and driving Rolls Royces and wearing a fur everywhere, along with guards that are dressed like pikemen with MP5s. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I want? Because I have a five-year-old and his favorite thing in the world are theme parks. We took him to Disneyland last year and he had like the absolute time of his life. I want Brigham. I want Brigham Land. <laughs> I want I want a Mormon themed theme. Park. What are the What are the first of all? I'm loving the idea of going to like Salt Lake City Police and going, "Here's your new like 15th century style dress uniform." Do, do you know what a halberd is? Um, <laughs> we're forming like we're forming some of you into a unit of lancers. But second of all, what are the rides like at Brigham Land? That's my question. They're so like, racist. like it's a test your strength thing but it's based on how loud you can say a slur yeah (laughs) strom thurmond getting the big fucking like stuffed animal daddy daddy i want to go on the curse of cane coaster yeah it's the (laughs) it's the one place where the water fountains are still segregated Well, the thing is, the church does have a theme park. It's the Polynesian Cultural Center in oh, Hawaii, yeah. which friend of the show Joe Kasabian has talked about a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is... It's so weird. It is. <laughs> like, you just dig into this a little bit and it's like, oh, this church could be so much more baller. But also, like, if it was, it would make me, like, physically ill everywhere I went. In oh, I couldn't live here. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, would have to, I would have to leave. Out of just, like, pure... Sh- it would be shameful. Like I would, it would end up like, I would end up doing like some sort of like Harikari, whatever like Mormon Harikari is. I mean, this is, this is the thing, right? We've talked about sort of like evangelicals. We've talked about Catholics. I think what you're sleeping on here is Islam, right? If you have this huge amount of money and you're sort of like operating a religious, uh, well, if you're operating a religion, and you want to kind of be a bit theocratic about it, there is a precedent for that, and it's the Saudis, right? You just turn Salt Lake City into, like, white guy Mecca. You build an enormous (laughs) hotel, just sort of, like, looming over everything, uh, and you just sort of, like, sit back and rake in cash that you spend on, uh, like, Bentleys that you then sort of take two wheels off and drive at a 45-degree angle. (laughs) It's every every guy named Caden has to make a pilgrimage. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You institute that, and like every sort of like senior member of the church is able to get really into like falcon hunting. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that would, <laughs> that's so funny. Honestly, that's we're kind of halfway there if you All think right. about it for more than a second. Too, right. it's like, well, we have this centralized religion, this really kind of strict and also like regionally located. I mean. That's not too far of a trip to like to, to being Saudi Arabia. We just need oil. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, maybe we'll find once the uh, Great Salt Lake dries up. <laughs> that, Setting the stage that, for sort of Mormon Muhammad bin Salman, you know, in, instituting yeah. a sort of like Vision 2030 where it's like, we will bring sort of like wrestling to, and like Toby Keith to Utah. We will allow women to drive <laughs> at some point in the future in Utah. I, I can just see for some reason Ryan Smith, the owner of the Utah Jazz, is like the Mormon Muhammad bin Salman. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Here's also the thing, though, too, is like the Jazz were almost bought by um, what's his name? Khashoggi. Uh, yeah, Adman Khashoggi, who was oh my god, Jamal's uncle, Jamal's yeah. uncle and notorious arms dealer. You know, kind of, sort of, a little tiff on 
Iran-Contra. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he built a lot of buildings in Salt Lake City because he thought, like, I could just turn this into like my own version of like a, a Gulf state just because like, he had I can the just... same idea as us. He and did this in the desert. This is, yeah, this is he... how you get to be a billionaire. You really are smarter than normal people because you get in on bits, you know, 20 years <laughs> before. <them. laughs> They're yeah. just ahead of the curve. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> o- the only problem with Adnan Khashoggi was he ran out of real estate I mean, he ran out of real estate money because, uh, I mean, he couldn't get his real estate investments high enough before, like, the CIA realized that they can just arms deal in the open and not have to use him as a <laughs> conduit. It's like, oh, wow, people don't really get too mad about this stuff. Well, sorry, we're cutting you out. Bye. Yeah, he sort <sighs> of, like, made a, made a few billion dollars off of... Um, Coming back to Mormons again, I guess, CIA guys in khakis who, like, had social anxiety for a minute. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was essentially it. Like he had all the contacts here and I'm sure that's why they led him to Salt Lake City. He's like, oh, there. It's perfect. We, we've we lived there for a long time. It's great. Also, thank <laughs> you for helping us arm the Mujahideen for a few years. That was really good for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Moving, moving on. Uh, hell line number two. I guess they didn't take that into account. So this is from KSL. A federal grand jury returned an indictment on February 1st charging two Utah County men and an accounting firm with claiming an excess of $11 million in tax credits through a COVID-related fraud scheme. Zachary what? Zachary Bassett, 39, of Provo, and Mason War, 37, of Vineyard, are both charged with conspiracy to defraud the U.S., wire fraud, and filing false tax returns, district court records show. Well, see, this is, this is a problem for them, because $11 million is a lot less than $32 billion, right? Yeah. You know yeah. The, the math like, ain't math in there, guys. Yeah, if, if you owe the bank like $1,000, you have a problem. If you owe the bank you know, $100,000, the bank has a problem. The same thing sort of applies. This is right. below the threshold at which you sort of like get a slap on the restaurant the SEC, you're going yeah. to prison. But it, it, I mean, it really just kind of drives the point home, though, that like Utah really is, because it is such a wildly deregulated, incredibly conservative place, it has kind of become a mecca for white collar crime. Can we just talk about the fact that how you how bad you have to be at crime to get indicted on COVID fraud? <laughs> <laughs> like literally, I... Every single person was doing COVID fraud. Like, like to bring back Ryan Smith, the under jazz, like him and Qualtrics was essentially just making fraudulent numbers for his testing. Yeah, they were just making him up. Yeah, like, do do you mean to suggest that this one guy hasn't had COVID 130 times? Like, (laughs) it's him and it's him and Bolsonaro. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's a credit between that and like PPP loans. Like, how are you so bad at crime that you, you get, you got hemmed up on this. Like, yeah, you've got I mean, to really to, to fuck the, up. <laughs> to the tune of $11 million, I guess. It's like, like a banker who went to jail for 2008. Like, <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> Just the lowest hanging fruit, you know? The scooter Libby of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The, the, the one guy on the team who struck out. Like, way to go, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is well, th- th- thoughts and prayers for for Zachary and Mason. Uh, Mike Lee is going to sort of like go and threaten, uh, you know, whoever's got them in prison. <laughs> <laughs> You've got forty eight hours, bub. Dear President Biden, you have twenty four hours to remove these two men from federal custody, or I will make a speech on the Senate floor about it. Yeah. I can't think of a less threatening person than Mike Lee. Just this like five, eight, just like melting snowman of a human being. <laughs> well, like he's, a, he's a part of like that Senate triumvirate of dipshittery, which is yeah. like him, Rand Paul and Ted Cruz. Just like all three of them are just repellent human beings. To Nightmare with. blunt rotation. Yeah. The worst, absolutely worst. It, it comes to you from Ted Cruz and it's wet. I mean, oh. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing I love more than a wet blunt. <laughs> oh. not, no, not just wet, but like greasy. Like it's sort of like you've got oil and water it's happening. It's damp. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not so much wet as moist, you know? Yeah. You're just trying to get high. And for some reason, like they're just talking up like the road to surfdom. It's like, man, I'm just, I'm just trying to enjoy myself here. <laughs> New strain of feudalism dropped. Oh. <laughs> All right. Let's let's uh, let's move things along. Hell line number three. And the Lord saith, thou shalt protect the pedos. So once again from KSL, on Monday, Utah Senate President Stuart Adams said he doesn't want to force clergy to report child abuse because it would make clergy choose between being excommunicated or thrown in jail. Lawmakers have proposed several bills this session that would end the clergy exception for reporting child abuse, but with less than a week before the Utah legislature adjourns, none have been granted a public hearing. When asked why the bills, all of which were publicly publicly released before the legislative session began in January, have yet to come up for discussion, Senate President uh, Stuart Adams said he doesn't want to force clergy to choose between breaking a tenet of their faith or breaking state law. Quote, I think they have their First Amendment right of religious protections, and I don't think I want to put clergy in a spot where they would have to be excommunicated or thrown in jail. Those are the options, and I don't think it that's right, he said. Would you be excommunicated for not reporting child abuse? Uh, for reporting child abuse? You know, I tried to find some stuff on it. I couldn't find any religions be like, sorry, we had to cast you out because you decided to turn brother so and so over to to DC at DCSF or FS for you know doing some pretty horrible things. I, I mean, this is this is all the reaction to the big Mormon. Uh, sex abuse hotline story that broke by the AP over the summer, correct? It mm. it seems like that too, because like what happened was like if you haven't heard about the story, it's it's mainly about how the church had a law firm on standby for pretty much any sort of like sex sex abuse allegations, and that law firm in turn gave a lot of advice to tell bishops, which are like the like the people who oversee like a like a denomination or like a parish i guess they call them wards but it's essentially like a parish mm. and essentially the uh, the advice i got from law firm was don't turn them in just like go see what happens stop snitching <laughs> essentially yeah yeah that's uh, that's fucked in and of itself does you still have like uh, mandatory reporting for you know like non-clergy like does uh, like yes. just en- yeah so they're the sole exception like a, yes. a, a doctor or a teacher has to report by law, but like uh, your bishop doesn't. Yeah, exactly. The, you, exactly. 
Yeah. If it's a, if it's a doctor, it's a teacher, if it's anyone who's like, uh, like a authority, you are a mandatory reporter. Yeah. And like, this is on top of like, also just beyond just like that scandal too. It's also on top of the church being like signing on to a $250 million settlement with the boy Scouts of America to pay off sex abuse victims there, which the judge rejected because it was too lenient on the church. I mean, that's terrible. That's brutal. Yeah. And, and so the, the sole rationale for this is uh, what it might make you feel bad if you had to report it in sort of like a religious obligation way, but not in a way that anyone's been able to articulate. No, like not at all. It's just like, well, we don't want to infringe on freedom of religion. And it's, it's generally because the church doesn't want to really invest that much resources into trying to stop the problem. Like it's, it's, it just wants the problem to go away. And like, well, it doesn't have a lot if, of resources to invest given that it's only, you know, it's got $4 <laughs> million less now because it's had to pay out that settlement. So it's down to only, you know, $136.6 billion sitting around. Right. Listen, just because it has the GDP of Slovakia doesn't mean that it's <laughs> not, it doesn't, it doesn't have the resources to deal with this problem. It's a big problem, but we don't want to talk about it. Hey, we don't want, yeah, we don't want people's fee-fees to get hurt. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's really a big problem. I mean, even back to that Boy Scout settlement too, like one of the reasons the judge rejected it too is because the church was trying to group in, uh, sex abuse settlements that were just tangentially that were just tangentially uh, attached to the boy scouts meaning that it happened in the same building that also a boy scout abuse happened as well which oh, so they were just trying to make like a big lump sum bl blanket payment yeah, yeah by, by combining Jesus. your debts into like one easy to handle payment you know uh, it's like fucking debt management firms. Great. Perfect. Yeah. It's like a payday loan for pedophilia. <laughs> I'm still pretty sure that they haven't like settled that, that settlement either too. Like I know I don't like think it has. No, the Southern Baptist convention took care of theirs. I think the United Methodist church took care of theirs. And I think the church is like the, which is also like the primary one as well, because the church is one of the biggest like advocates of scouting is they're still sitting out there on it. Great stuff. I, we started out so hot, and now we just kind of took every tone down. That's my yeah, fault. No, it's, it's, it's a jarring shift in tone. That's fine. Uh, we're all sad now. Can we go back to talking about William Taft getting pegged? <laughs> I call this one the election of 1912. <laughs> all right. Uh, another I, – I, we're going to – before we we say our goodbyes, we do have a, a bit of a reading series we wanted to get into. That is, I I feel uh, pretty prescient of what we've been talking about for the uh, the episode, and this is uh, by Peggy Fletcher Stack. It's an opinion piece in uh, our beloved Salt Lake Tribune with the uh, headline: "Why so many Latter Day Saints fall for Ponzi schemes." <laughs> Crazy. Which I don't know, Alice, if, if you know anything about like the MLM history here in, in Salt Lake. We've done a couple of episodes. I, 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 I sort of made a little sensey reference earlier. So I'm I'm sort of like dimly aware that like yeah. yeah, you can you can sort of like do okay by sort of roping in your friends and you know, okay. sort of like Yeah, yeah. I don't 
I, I can't do Sensi. It's such a predatory and like it's such a predatory company too. But anyway, I'm a firm believer in DoTerra, and if you want to message me after the show, I'd be happy to add you to my downline. I still remember watching the uh, the LuLaRoe documentary with my wife, and within like two minutes of of it starting, she's like, "Oh yeah, these two these two are incredibly Mormon." These are the two most Mormon people to ever live. Yeah, because once again, zero swag. Just the the wife had swag because she was very colorful and all that too. But the husband, zero slag, ill-fitting suit, horrible goatee. Yeah. You, you sort of encourage it like a, a dripless religion for men, which is I don't think that's that's fair. I think that's moral, you know. <laughs> no no swag in religion. If you're, <laughs> yeah. if you're gonna be a weird religion you gotta have swag you gotta yeah i mean we we, we gotta do better than mr mac i don't yeah. i'm not saying like <laughs> i'm not saying like you know we're gonna be on the cover of gq anytime soon but we Same gotta which, step something out what, what, maybe, what some, need, maybe some like tassel sort of like, loafers every now and again yeah yeah i i think what you need is to sort of segment that market in the same way that like you know how there's like vogue and there's british vogue and there's like italian vogue i think you need mormon gq and i think that would really sort of like help provide a sort of like an easy on-ramp for people because it's less intimidating than having to like compete with like I, gq gq i found my next uh my next grift and i'm gonna be a uh a mormon fashion influencer Listen. Yeah, Mormon, Mormon GQ, you know, 15 polo shirts for summer. Um, <laughs> perfect. Every single shade of white uh, button-up shirt you can imagine. <laughs> what white We're going from tapioca to eggshell. What white t-shirt should you wear underneath your, your spaghetti strap dress? <laughs> yeah, it's, right. it, it's, it's horrible. But hey, once again, though, like, say what you will about Scientology. The, the naval uniforms is swag. Oh yeah, snappy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, drip. would be would be difficult for for the church to get its hands on a navy, considering just the geography. But I, I mean, unless you sort of like do a sort of you know territorial expansion until Utah has a coastline, which I, I would also <laughs> be in favor of. You know, we we just yeah. have to restore the Great Salt Lake a lot more. <laughs> yeah, we just need twenty more winters like the one we just had. <laughs> we're, we're on just pace. like one one like old battleship that you've bought at like at a discount from the venezuelan navy being helicoptered in so it can like do donuts and like this and like an inch of water we're Listen, just we're, utah we're bringing back hugo boss <laughs> <laughs> same oh. number of white people it's gonna work <laughs> all right let's get into this article so again uh why so many Latter-day Saints fall for Ponzi schemes? Some of Mormonism's strengths, trust, community, connectedness, can make members more vulnerable. Many Latter-day Saints let out a collective sigh of resignation at the news that the member that members of the church had fallen prey to yet another investment venture that turned out to be fraudulent. They've heard this story before, over and over and over. Indeed, in a 1982 speech, future apostle Jeffrey R. Holland, then president of BYU, warned students about the allure of quick money and pointed out this headline from Honolulu, Mormon Utah called a test market for scams. I mean, that's, that's also called a, a, you know, a startup incubator, but if you hate entrepreneurship that much, you can just say so. Yeah, which is, it, it's very funny when you juxtapose that with uh, Silicon Slopes here in Salt Lake City, which is like the, the new uh, Silicon Valley. 
Like this is like the the new haven for tech startups in America. Because mm. we do our wonderful regulatory sandbox, which is pretty much like strips any sort of like business taxes or any sort of like regulations that would limit business and then like turns them loose on the community. It's like, yeah, you just go ahead and do that. It's totally fine. Um, but yeah, also like, with a bunch like of a, companies. It's like yeah, a with format. A, oh, go ahead. With a bunch of companies that are just coasting off of free credit and also like have a product that is not really discernible in any way possible. Yeah, it's like Blood Mer- it's like if Blood Meridian was like really into economics. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Um quoting from the article, Holland repeated these lines. It's very easy for people to bridge the gap from unbelievability to believability if church affiliation is used. Now, decades later, it remains a problem for the church. I'm trying to get through this. Hold on. He said this at Brigham Young University. University. (laughs) Now, decades later, it remains a problem for the church. So much so that the Utah-based faith warns about it in its general handbook. Quote, affinity fraud occurs when a person exploits another's trust or confidence to defraud him or her. Handbook states, you wouldn't have a religion otherwise. <laughs> we, we just talked about You're giving about the that. game away. We just also talked training about the- all of the young people yes. to go and build all of the skills that you need to do this in like consequence-free environments far right. from home. I feel like I'm watching that skit in... Uh- I think you should leave. And it's like, oh my God, babe, she admit it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those great things too, where you just think about these things and like all of them just like stack on top of each other. Not to mention the fact that no more than like 10 minutes ago, we talked about how the church set up 13 shell corporations, shell corporations. to hide assets using tithing funds. Yeah. See, and that's the thing that really kind of like blows me away going back to the whole 32 billion thing. Like not only do they get the majority of this money that is just donated to them, uh, in tithing which is basically like a tax for salvation you have to if you want to be like a consecrated like like platinum member of the mormon church you have to pay 10 percent of your income to the church so they have Hmm. that and then they have a model that's completely based on on unpaid labor like nobody if if you are like the loyal rungs if you're just like joe churchgoer and you have a calling in the church you're not getting paid but you're 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 doing that, and you're getting more and more people, and you send people off uh, on their missions, which is basically, you know, re- religious recruiting. That's completely free. So you have this entire business model: missionaries you, that pay for their missions. Yes, yes. <laughs> but who are all learning how to like hard sell some sort of like implausible things to start Absolutely. with, and like build rapport really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Here's your iPad with all your manuals and also like a copy of Salesforce. Good luck to you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Do do not use this for like your own personal advantage. Use this for our advantage. So affinity fraud occurs when a person exploits another's trust or confidence to defraud him or her, the handbook states. It can also happen by abusing a position of friendship or trust, such as a church calling or family relationship. The crime is usually done for financial gain, the guidelines add. It is a shameful betrayal of trust and confidence. Its perpetrators may be subject to criminal prosecution. 
$37 billion. <laughs> $137 billion that we know about. Oh, my hell. Latter-day Saints who commit affinity fraud, the book notes, may also face membership restrictions or withdrawal. That's that's the real, real, real kicker there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't yeah, do you, the crime uh, if you can't do the time. You might face sanctions because you're you're not good enough at crime to be a Mormon. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you may not be invited to your bishop's downline. Get the hell out, loser. <laughs> the handbook makes clear that members may not state or imply that their business dealings are sponsored by, endorsed by, or represent the church or its leaders. Yeah, you can just heavily imply it. But I, I love the idea of being sort of like excommunicated for having insufficient like hustle mindset. Yeah, I think it would be really funny. I want to go back and read the uh, the Book of Mormon or create my own Book of Mormon and just have a bunch of legalese. <laughs> just sort of like sounds- have all of the stuff that you have to sign for an MLM just at the front of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you aren't you aren't guaranteed a sort of salvific return off of this, uh, and you're sort of like assuming any risks from this on your own. If you get this many amount of converts, you move up to the ter- terrestrial level. <laughs> if you get this many amount, you go up to the platinum level, which we call the te- the celestial kingdom. It's the best one. It's also really funny that, like, uh, sort of, you, you look at the origins of uh, of the church. A lot of it is sort of this exact thing, but the affinity network it's playing on is masonry. Like, yeah. just going to random masons and like hitting them up with the secret handshake and going, "Can I interest you in some golden plates?" Uh, thanks very much. Yeah. Like, much the same, but you know, you add two hundred years, and you know, now it's now it's a bad thing. So. Yeah, and I think there's probably something a little bit more alluring about, you know, what what the Mormon church is selling, which is essentially like, you know, eternal life and salvation than, I don't know, Mm. like chamomile essential oils. Depends how good the essential oils are, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Despite such strong wording, Utah still has a higher per capita incidence of affinity fraud, says Mark Zimbelman, an accounting professor at church-owned BYU who specializes in fraud. It's really sad. In a couple of recent rankings, the Beehive State placed as high as ninth and 14th among states for per capita fraud cases. Does Utah lead the nation in Ponzi schemes? The church-owned Deseret News asked in 2019. The answer is no, but it is regularly near the top. (laughs) You know, we're we're not number one, but we try harder. We're really, yeah, we get an A for effort. It's not quantity, (laughs) it's quality. We got to keep going here. What are the the other states that have more for, I feel like Florida's got to be up there, surely. Delaware. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. I, I think if you look like who like the biggest like Congress members are and like the like direct selling caucus, which is like the the one that covers like MLMs and LT, you oh, probably Kirsten figured Cinema's out baby. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like I think California would be too, because like you have yeah, a bunch sure. of like even Democratic like yeah. Congress people who are who are members of that too, which is surprising too, because like at a certain level, like even like no matter how little hope I have for the Democratic Party at sometimes, like I still hope that they're good enough to like go against like corrupt business practices, except for like Ted Lieu and Barbara Lee. Well, not Barbara Lee. Um, and then you find out that Paul Pelosi has been insider trading for God knows how long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, and we're going to answer the question: Why Latter Day Saints? are vulnerable. 
Latter-day Saints are hardly alone in being duped by those in their flock. All fraud requires trust, and trust is easily created in an already existing group, particularly an ethnic or religious community, or if you're Mormon, both. Hmm. <laughs> says Kristen Hurt, uh, who teaches corporate partnership, businesses, and securities law at uh, Southern Methodist University in Dallas. We're just running the gamut as far as religious universities in this piece. <laughs> SMU isn't that religious, though. They're they're like, I mean, if they were, they would have shuttered in the 80s when like essentially the SMU football team was just doing yeah. all the cocaine in, in Dallas. But <laughs> them and the Cowboys, <laughs> them and the Cowboys. <laughs> what makes Latter-day Saints especially valuable and frankly vulnerable to scam artists is their ready access to a network of contacts. Contacts, says Hertz, who previously taught at BYU. Members, for instance, carry their contact list, the Ward Congregation Directory, in an app on their phone. It's a strong and instant network, she says, that go- that is goal to multi-level marketers. For starters... So, so, so what she's saying is that like, because you have more people you can bother on the phone with like calls they don't really want to answer, <laughs> yeah, this exactly. is like... Very useful. It's a sort of like um, it's sort of like annoyance tolerating culture in that respect. <laughs> yeah, Mormons, Mormons created uh, telemarketing. Apparently, yeah, God <laughs> and grind and business mindset created the phone tree, and we love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, it is a strong and instant network, she says, that is gold to multi-level marketers, for starters, and to fraudsters. Not a, not every group has that. The church also has a general and local hierarchy, her says, which adds another level of trust. When a victim normally would begin to have doubts or be skeptical, Mormons say to themselves, no, they wouldn't do that because they are in my ward or in my bishopric, she says. It's hard to be skeptical of people in your trust group. Which, Do we think that this maybe makes some sort of broader points about the church, or are we just right. backing away from that one really quickly? And like, I feel like we talk about this almost every episode, and, and Jordan, I think you can uh, back me up on this, but like, there's something really, I'm not going to say completely unique to Utah, but it is a kind of a unique Utah phenomenon because it is such a, uh, a conservative and Caucasian and, uh, religious place is that a lot of the a lot of the cities and a lot of a lot of the places you live are so homogenous and so insular that oh, like yeah. that's 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 all a lot of people know like you can go to certain places in Utah and you will only see people like you for weeks on end yeah and I, I think that's kind of a social creation as well and yeah. that's been one that I, I think the church has wanted to kind of cultivate and and sustain for a very long time I mean yeah. the entire like welfare program that the church has right now was built be- as like a counterbalance to the new deal because it was terrified of like federal funding and federal programs coming in here and fully just swamping like the existing institution like social institutions that were in the state at the time so yeah. it's it's really funny to see like downtown as you see like the big silos on welfare square and all that too and just think like socialism built that but not quite the way we wanted it to <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and i think as well there's kind of a unique unique tribalism like i've said i've told this story before and i'll repeat it of like i grew up in provo utah like the absolute belly of the beast 
and I remember we had a Catholic family move into the neighborhood and like, it was kind of like the unwritten rule to be wary of the Catholic family. Like, we're not going to say like, don't go and hang out with the, with the Catholic kids, but you know, watch your back essentially. <laughs> Those beads come yeah. out, run. Yeah. <laughs> well, they might try to like sell you on like the Catholic flavor of multi-level marketing, you know, instead of yeah. our, our beloved scams. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there is something really interesting about uh, the Mormon religion, especially living here in Utah, about like really kind of that like stick togetherness, and like mm. don't don't go outside of the uh, outside of the religion. Yeah, I don't. I guess I'm not doing a very good job of articulating. No, no, that, I, 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 I think you there are, really I, is a tribalism there. I mean, like mm. it's a very individualistic culture. But like the West in general is a very individualistic culture. Like that's why everyone came out here because free yeah. land, and you know, who cares who gets in the way of that? Um, but also, like, there is also that sense of community because, like, as much as like they wanted to be individualistic, they wanted to at least have like a little tribe that they could kind of build within their little community that also is filled with people who want to be individualistic and left alone. And I think at a certain point, like that's the only people they let in those social circles. Yeah. And that's why the trust is so big. Mm -hmm. I think just, just to your point, back to the article, uh, church members pray together, pray together. They see it. They sit next to one another in the pews. They teach one another in Sunday school. They babysit one mm. another's kids. They attend campouts and play basketball together. Manage, or managing money in today's world, a necessity for many uh, Latter-day Saint workers as pensions have been eliminated, is complicated. So one shortcut is to go with the people we trust, Brunson says. That makes us more vulnerable than those who don't have such a close-knit community. Most affinity ploys look like a real investment, he says. The veneer is plausible. The difference with that, with what they're selling, is that there is a ton of risk that they're that they downplay or don't mention at all. You and know they, that paragraph right there actually kind of kind of brought some thoughts to my brain too. Especially like the church loves to like run itself as kind of like a quasi prosperity gospel religion. Absolutely. Beca mm. be because like, if you pay your tiny thing, you will be blessed. And essentially things I've heard all my life and all that. And like that statement there already talked about how essentially like social safety nets, whether it's pensions, whether it's yeah. any sort of like social program that can give you assistance or your thing has just dried up has also pushed people towards these sort of like scams, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like sure. the only way I'm going to make it just beyond like my occupation that I have that carries me this far is if I can make some money on like a, on like a, on any sort of like side hustles I can do, whether it's selling bullshit, uh, <laughs> like, uh, essential oils or pushing shakes that I tell people will cure cancer. We talked about like, this. This is, this is the exact, exactly the thing we were talking about with crypto when, when the crypto crash happened, it's the, it's, it's almost like a one-to-one -one there. Yeah, because yeah, that was like a, a, an opportunity that you had to grab with both hands for a lot of people because you would see stories about like, oh, this guy made like $50 trillion off of yeah. it, like doing nothing. Um, well, every, everything is so dog shit. There is no social safety net. Like your 401k is based on the stock market. Like, you know, the, the, the margins for people are becoming thinner and thinner. Of course, you're going to try to find some sort of get rich quick scheme. Everyone's yeah. trying to get out of this shit. 
And, and also, I think in these like insular cultures too, you still do have that keeping up with the Joneses mentality, especially especially in Utah. In Utah. Like, there's a reason why we're like number one or number two in plastic surgery in the country, yeah. and credit card <laughs> debt and uh, anti or antidepressant uh, prescriptions. Yeah, there's a there's a huge uh, cultural kind of pressure to keep up appearances. Yeah, I think like you look at like the economy of Utah and it's built on such like a house of cards of just like trying to sustain and like maintain a like middle upper middle class lifestyle for everybody. And it, I, I'm just terrified of when it's finally going to collapse. Yeah. Mm. So the uh, the question what the church can do. Beyond regularly cautioning leaders and the rank and file of the nearly 17 million member faith, uh, they could add a class in ethical investing to its popular self-reliance <laughs> courses. <laughs> How to like only fall for the like less predatory scams. Yeah, yeah for, the, for the low, low price of 350 a month. <laughs> before you uh before you engage in this investment opportunity from a member of your uh, of your community please make sure you read this state's lost pamphlet that indicates that this might be a fraud yeah in one of his first statements to be read over the pulpit in every congregation zimbelman recalls then church president thomas s monson urged members to be careful about investing to live within their meeting or to live within their means and not be greedy. If a wealthy member in your ward is pitching you on a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, Zimbelman says, you should ask if they can make that kind of money. Why do they need you? Uh, I mean, not to not to say again, thirty-seven billion dollars, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was having that exact same thought too. It's like before this organization that's worth. Once again, the GDP of Slovakia asks you for tithing money. Think, <laughs> think twice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and that was—I mean—that was kind of the whole thing. Going back to it is like they were hiding it for that reason because they didn't want people asking questions about where they're getting their money. That was the most insane thing about the SEC <laughs> report is they just wanted the, it wasn't just for any sort of like tax like purposes or anything. That it was mainly just to say like oh, we don't want people to think we're that rich. Yeah. <laughs> Again, the swaglessness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you want me to think you, you're the you board's need to, elected? You need to flex this stuff. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It would be such a cooler religion. Anyway, uh, this I think this is the last little section. Uh, it's titled God's Reward for Righteousness. <laughs> Some Latter-day Saints also could be victims of their own spiritual optimism in the form of the prosperity gospel, says Latter-day Saints civil rights attorney Carolyn Horner or Carolyn Homer. There's a strong theological message, message that faithful financial support for the church will lead to greater financial blessings. We've all heard dozens of general conference and Sunday school stories about how God will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing is being literally fulfilled with increased wealth. The Washington, D.C. lawyer has seen that promise that if you pay your tithes and offer and offerings to the church, you will have financial security come true in her own life. Still, the whole underlying premise gives her pause, Homer says. No one is worth more to God because of their net worth. You know, 
That is 137 the... billion. <laughs> one, I can't again, get over that reading this. I mean, once again, that uh, like on top of everything else, like one of the most grotesque things I think about the church is that you have these white Americans going into the global South and telling people who are far, far, far below their means that you have to give tithing before you do anything else. And that alone just makes me sick. And then you think about that. And then you think about the money that the church has and all that. And just, I don't know. I'm going to makes you angry. <laughs> the sort of like carousel of scams where you like, you know, go to these places and you extract money from them and then you come back home and you get some money extracted out of you and then you get some more money extracted out of you for like, you know, essential oils or like investments yeah. or whatever the fuck. Um, it's it, yeah, it, it just really is like scams all the way down. And I, you know, I, I think maybe this is a, a problem of, dare I say, capitalism. I think that might be yeah. bad. There uh, isn't a more capitalist religion out there than Mormonism. It really mm. isn't because you have to have like one, it's instead of like the like the continuing cycle of profit that like you have on every sort of like business, you have that with people too, which is. Like especially egregious in, in this yeah. regard. I have to I have to read you this uh, this quick paragraph, uh, Jordan, because you're gonna love this. Spiritual inspiration is not tantamount to financial inspiration. She notes, Joseph Smith himself was notoriously inept at managing money. <laughs> 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 there's, there's a lot to take in there. Well, I. Oh, okay. Hold on. So <laughs> off, go off, waves. Jordan. So <laughs> he's gonna crack his knuckles. Oh, okay. Do some so shoulder shrugs. When I just hear that too, like he was inept with money. All you think about is like, well, yeah, he ran a fraudulent bank, and that's why he had to flee the state of Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why he was chased out of five different states, and only one of them was because of religious persecution. The rest of them usually was just like, um. You're doing a lot of illegal scammy things here and you he created his own bank. Yeah, which <laughs> which was itself a Ponzi scheme because like these like back in the wonderful 1830s and all that too, you could just have those banks where you just make your own bank notes because no central bank can't do anything about that. <laughs> And all of a sudden you're like you just like oh yeah, this is worth uh five uh five like tenths of a gold bar or whatever. Do you have that gold bar back there? Absolutely. Here's your banknote. <laughs> just getting getting very into sort of like the the presence and concealability of various precious metals. Um <sighs> Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this up real this quick. This early country was so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Having a community you love and trust is what makes social groups wonderful, says Hurt. To throw that away or edge it with skepticism may not be worth it. A better way might be to to divorce spiritual success from material wealth, Homer says, and add a dash of theological humility. To the tune of $137 billion. That's not how this religion works. Man, that's a bummer. Mm. I'm sorry. I, I can I, I can I can cheer you up though. Uh, since you mentioned Welfare Square, I did have a look. Because uh, I hadn't seen it before, and what I found in the course of doing this was a bizarrely large and yet low resolution image of Donald Trump touring well. Oh yeah, Square. that was that happened during his uh, during his presidency, early on in his presidency, right? 
Yeah, that it's a, be yeah. it's yeah. a beautiful a image. <laughs> pointing to a cart full of groceries uh, in an extremely pixelated fashion. And to me, I find that inspirational. There's it's so almost good as good as the handsome ha hamburger party. I'm pretty sure every president since Nixon's done that too. So you just see like Ronald Reagan just wandering around there too, which is always a fantastic thing. Just him like seeing a bunch of like soups being canned and all that too. And just him just thinking like, wow, that's wonderful. As he's like, as he slips as through. As he's the, eaten soup every day for the last six months. <laughs> as he slips Richard in and Nixon, out of senility. Yeah, Richard Nixon seeing them like sort of scrape cornflakes off into like packages and just coming back to the White House and being recorded inventing a new slur for Mormons. <laughs> God damn it, Henry, don't put me up there with those mountain masons again. <laughs> I can't deal with those smiths. <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm in a better mood now thank you <laughs> and all it took was thinking about donald trump you know he has that power the mormons we love him folks <laughs> donnie could only just be jealous of the amount of like real estate holdings and profits that the church pulls oh, in. Do the like, mormons yeah. are so much better at money than trump Absolutely. <laughs> so much better. You know, if you want if you want somebody to actually author the order of the deal. Mm. Like, let's start digging up some Mormon prophets from the grave. I mean, that's just the Book of Mormon. That is the Book of Mormon. Deals are my art form, you know? Other people other people uh, you know, paint paintings or write symphonies, but I enjoy making deals, preferably big ones. You just have that in like gold text. <laughs> that's just that plaque like right below the house of the holy on like the salt lake temple yeah every <laughs> mormons are against tattoos except for everyone everyone has to get that tattooed on their forearm <laughs> oh. well I, I think that about does it we should probably put a bow on this alice thank you again for joining us and uh where My can pleasure. people find you uh, I do way too many podcasts, which you, you very nicely introduced at the start. So I'll just say that you can find me on Twitter at Alice Avazandum. And uh, thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. This was this was a blast. And uh, yeah, absolutely. We'll be back soon. Thank you again for listening and take care. Bye. Plug the Patreon. Oh, yeah, we do need to uh, we need to plug the Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Brigham Young Money. You can join for as little as a dollar a month. It's two dollars. If you introduce, if you introduce ten of your friends, right, then you won't receive <laughs> any sort of material reward for this. But spiritually, we'll send you. A, we'll send you. I don't know a, a, a coin. Once yeah. again, like after this long discussion about how you can exploit your uh, personal relationships <laughs> for financial gain, uh, just want to say two dollars a month, five dollars if you really like us. Um, yeah, patreoncom says breaking money. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Give him credit for a son of a